right? Turn your Bibles to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians. We're in the New Testament. We're in the Gospels of Paul, the letters that he wrote to Paul. And uh, we're going to read beginning with chapter 2. All right. Are you there? Okay, there's a few guys. The rest of you guys get hurt. Get to it. There's a Bible in the pew in front of you. As for you. Chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. The Bible says, as for you. For the last several weeks, we've been uh, traveling through uh, the Word of God, uh, through the pen and the writing of Mark. But we finished. We ended on the cross. We ended on the cross. And I've been asking God, what's next? And you may never put these two things together. But I believe that Ephesians is the direct connection to the book of Mark. I think you go from Mark direct to Ephesians. I'm going to prove it to you. As for you, that's what the Bible says, as for you. I want you to know that whenever you hear the phrase, as for you, it's normally nothing good. You with me? Nobody? It kind of goes like this. Okay, you this, you this, but as for you. You feeling it? You feeling it? You're like, oh, okay, you, I, I do it. I do it. Every Saturday night we get this email, and if I get loud and I shout, so what? Cover your ears. Um, I get this email uh, from the school, and on it, you click it, and the kids' grades come up. It's a weekly thing. They come up late Saturday night, and Sunday morning we have a day of reckoning. You know what I mean? A day of reckoning. And usually I'm like, okay, okay, Layla, okay. And then we, you know, we go through it, and we go, okay, you did good, did we good. But as for you, you feeling it? But as for you, so when you know when the Bible says, as for you, normally you're thinking, uh-oh, that's how it begins here, as for you. Chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Are you there yet? I'll give you some time. I stalled. Are you there? Say amen if you're there. Okay, as for you, chapter 2, book of Ephesians. But as for you, the Bible says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead. It's bad news. Paul says, but as for you... You're dead. You were dead. You were dead. Do you know what dead means? Like it's over. It's so over. You're dead. <laughs> it's over. You were dead in your transgressions. Now I've been thinking that's a word we need to, um, we need for today. That's the word we need for today. The kind of word we need to remember. Because see, Paul's going to say he is going to get us to see the picture, the state in which we are in. You're dead. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. Here's what I want you to understand. See, transgressions is, is, is a significant word. It's a big word. We don't use it anymore, right? When's the last time you used the word transgression? You never use it, right? We describe our life more like, oh, it's hard. Oh, we say, oh, it's struggling. I have some challenges. But Paul says, no, no, no. You were dead in your transgressions. I want you to pick this up. Uh, for me, I'm going to give you a way to uh, understand this. For me, and I'm not sure this is really what it means, but for me, uh, transgression is an aggression that has crossed the line. A transgression is an ag aggression that has trans, you know, like transatlantic. It's gone over the line. And here's what I mean by that. You probably know this. I, I know you do. Uh, uh, when you are dealing with your kids or with, or with your siblings, you know, when things start uh, going and, and you start arguing or fighting and the voice, and then you get to that point where you're like, okay, okay, that's enough. You've done it? You're like, all right. And you do this. Right? You go, okay, okay, all right, all right. 
before you cross the line. You just hold it right there. See, here's what I believe. Uh, Paul is trying to get us to understand that we all have aggressions against God. You ever been mad at God? You probably are right now, some of you guys. We have aggressions. We have frustrations. We, it boils up. But a transgression is when that aggression has crossed the line. You've gone too far. See, in my household, when, when I'm disciplining my kids, sometimes when I'm going through this, you know, with the, uh, with, with the grades, and I'm, you know, and I'm telling them, they get, they get aggressive, they get mad, they get upset, but, and they start defending, and, and you know, sometimes they this, they this, but, but, but you know, when they cross the line, I'm going to just, I'm just, can I be honest, I'll just tell you. When one of my kids gets so mad, they get up, they storm off to go to the room, and they slam the door. Right? When they slam the door, you don't cross the line. You hear me? Uh, your kids, my kids are in here. You don't know. When you, you can be upset. Like, I get it. You're mad. But when you slam the door, it's over. Right? Paul is trying to get us to understand that life is full of aggressions. Stuff happens. You can get upset. You, 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 things are going on, even with God. But a transgression is when you cross the line. And he's saying, listen, you've been crossing the line so much, you're dead. It's over. In your transgressions, in your sins. Listen, read it again. In your, you were dead in your transgressions. This is what, this is what transgressions get you. And you know this because when you make the threat, you're like, don't you slam that door on me. Don't you, because if you do, it's over. You're done. I'm going to, whatever, you know, put you on timeout. Uh, whatever, whatever your thing is, right? I'm going to, oh, you better not, or I'm going to take away your phone. Hmm? I'm going to, it's over. And Paul's trying to get us to understand that for a long time, we've known where the line is. Maybe some of us, or maybe we were just ignorant, but we've been crossing the line. And it says, you've been crossing the line so much, you're basically, you're, you're dead. This is where you were. And he continues, verse 2, he says, you used to live this way when you followed the ways of this world. When you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. Paul's trying to get us to understand <clears throat> what transgressions get us. They get us death. They, they, they lead us towards death. They lead us towards consequences we do not want. And he says, this is how you live. This is your daily. This is your normal. You live in transgressions. You've been crossing the line. That's where you are. Paul continues and he says, all of us lived among them at one time. All of us. Do you know that crossing the line is a thing that happens to all of us? We've all done it. We've all crossed the line. And Paul says, all of us have crossed the line. And we lived that way for some time. And, and, and he is going to unpack it further. He's going to explain. He says, uh, um, this is... What that means, he says, you are gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. We've all done it. Here's Paul. Paul's trying to explain how we live every day, every week. You have it too. We have, he calls it here, uh, cravings. We get cravings. Do you ever get cravings? You ever get cravings uh, for stuff that you know, like, you decided you didn't want? Uh, you ever do that? Where you're like, uh, I'm making my decision. You're like, I'm not going to whatever. But then, you know, the next day or the next week, you, you, you get a craving for it. Ever done that? 
I mean, you know, when you're on a diet or when you just make any kind of decision in your own best interest, you get a craving to do the opposite, right? And Paul says, we all have cravings. We all have cravings. You can call them temptations. They're cravings, right? They're cravings. He says, but, but we've been giving in to the cravings, gratifying the cravings. Everyone gets cravings. Uh, here's what I want you to understand what a craving is. Uh, it's my own definition. Uh, a craving is a longing that promises something that it can't deliver. A craving is a longing that promises something that it can't deliver. You get this sensation and you think, oh, if I just get that thing or want, or if I have that, or if I eat that, I will... It promises, but it, but it doesn't deliver. Usually cravings just lead you to other cravings. Has that ever happened to you? It happens to me all the time. Uh, I'm driving in the car, and I've made this decision, right? I'm made this decision. Uh, I'm in the car, and, you know, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to hydrate. You know, I got my big water bottle. I'm going to hydrate. But lo and behold, we stop at the gas station to fill up. And, you know, when you're at the gas station to fill up, you could just pump the gas. But the convenience store is right there, and you get a craving. You with me? And you're like, I'm just going to go in the bath. I'm just going to use the bathroom. But you go inside on your way to the bath and you pass by the, you know, you know, the Funyun aisle. You, you with me, right? The Funyun aisle. And you're like, you look at those little round things and you're like, mmm, a Funyun. That would be so Funyun. Right? And you're thinking, I'm just going to have one. But here's what I realized, right? Here's what I realized. Whenever I buy the Funyuns, whenever I buy the Funyuns, I also got to buy the the Coke Zero. Because the thing is so salty, right? And then, you, and then once I buy the Coke Zero, then I got to get me a Kit Kat or, or a Twix. Because, you know, like, you get so salty, then you got to, you know, you got to, and then you're like, I need something sweet. You with me? And then after you have some Kit Kats, and then you're like, oh, back to the Funyuns. You see, a craving is a longing that promises something that it can't deliver. All it does is it leads you to other cravings. And on and on. And Paul is saying, this is your way of life. You've got a longing, a craving, and you're gratifying it, but you never get what you think it's going to bring you. And that is the definition of being dead. Paul says, we all have cravings, we all, but this is how you've lived. You've been living this way, uh, gratifying your cravings, trying to satisfy your longings, but never getting there. And the only outcome from these things, he says, is that you have become an object of wrath. Look at this. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and its thoughts, following like the rest. That means everybody, we were by nature objects of wrath objects of wrath. And what this means is that we were the recipients or we are the deserving recipients of God's anger and God's wrath. But, and this is a big but, because of his great love for us, verse 4, chapter 2, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead in transgressions. I want you to capture some of this. The Bible says, your life, the way you've been living it, your daily, your normal, <clears throat> it's just dead. You were dead. You've been crossing the line and you deserve God's wrath because he's been saying, don't do it, don't do it, or else, or else. But we've been living on that other side, on the trans side. 
And God says, you deserve my wrath. But because of his great love for us, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive even though we were dead. Because of what? Because of his great love. I'm going to have to explain this to you, Seventh-day Adventist Christians. I want you to get it. We were all dead, but we have been made alive not because we worked at it really hard. Not because we've been in church a long time. Not because we were the first ones here. Not because we're not as bad as those guys. And we were made alive because of His great love. Whose great love? His great love. Because of Him. Because of us, we were dead. If it was up to us, if it was up to you, all we get is death. But because of His great love, the Bible says we are made alive. Listen to this. But God, who is rich in mercy. I get the sense that it's hard for us to capture the true meaning of this verse. And, and I've been thinking about it. Why? And I think I have, I think I have a reason. Because when the Bible says that God is rich in mercy, uh, that, that is confusing to us. See, because in this world, the one that you and I live in, the one that you and I are part of, people who are rich in anything are usually the stingiest people around. You with me? People who have a lot of stuff are usually the least willing to share it. So when we hear that God is rich in mercy, it might subconsciously trigger this idea that he's going to keep it all to himself. But the thing is, what Paul is saying here is that if there is one thing that God is not stingy with, it is mercy. I want you to capture that. If there's one thing that God is not stingy with, it is mercy. That's what he's trying to say. He says, but God, who is rich in mercy, that means he has so much. He has so much mercy that he's trying to give it away. He has so much of it that, that, that he wants to give it away. He wants to get rid of it. Have you ever, has that ever happened to you? You have too much of something and you want to give it away? No, right? We just make bigger closets. We go, this, this, one, this one won't do. I need, I need this kind. The more stuff, the more things, the more we get, the less we give. We just big builder storage, big, big, bigger storage. And, and, and God is not like that. And, and Paul is saying, the one thing you need to know about God is that he is rich in mercy. He has so much of it that he's trying to give it away. Because God in his great love is so rich in his mercy that he wants to give it to us. And he has made us alive. He has made us alive. But because of his great love, God who is rich in mercy, he has made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead, it is by grace you have been saved. Listen, your when you do it on your own, what you, it's just we've just been crossing the line. The, the, the gratifying, that's all we get. See, we, 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 all we can accomplish here is death. But because of his great love, God says, I'm going to bring you back to life. And the reason I think Ephesians is the next chapter to Mark, if you will, is because in Mark, he's trying to get us to understand that in the cross, God pays for our past. 
He's trying to get us to understand the suffering servant. That the, the, the purpose of Jesus was to come and to suffer in our place. To redeem our past. To forgive us of our sins. For the Son of Man came to give His life as a ransom for many. To pour out His blood for, for the forgiveness of your sins. It was our sins that hung Him there. See, he, His death on the cross pays for our past. But now, Ephesians, next chapter, He says, But His resurrection pays for our future. His death covers your past, but His resurrection prepays for your future. But we were dead, and yet Jesus Christ came to die, but He resurrected so that we can be also resurrected. Imagine that. Imagine that, that, that we could be brought back to life. You were dead. Some of you might still be dead. Paul says, but Christ, God raised us up with Christ. His resurrection is our resurrection. You know, you don't have to wait to experience resurrection to, to, to that day in heaven. Resurrection begins now. That's what Paul is saying. The next chapter, you've realized God has convicted you. Uh, God, I have sinful ways. I, I've made mistakes. I have, I've been eating the Funyuns and, 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 the, and the Coke and, and the Zig, and I'm caught in this vortex. You with me? I'm caught in this vortex. I, I, I make sin, and then I go to church to wash it down. But then after that, I get good, and I just go right back in, and I'm caught in this vortex of lies, longings. And, and, and Jesus paid for all that to redeem your past. But in his resurrection, he laid out a path for your future. That's right. For your future. Because it is about the future. It's about what's in front of you. Listen to me, listen to me. It's about what's in front of you, right in front of you. It's about today, this day. Listen to this. Uh, Paul says, Paul says, And God, who is rich in mercy, raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages, read future, the coming ages... He might show the incomparable riches of His grace and express in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is from God. From who? It is from God. It is a gift from God. Not by works so that you can brag about it. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, listen. The cross redeems your past, but the resurrection redeems your future. It pre pays for it. And God says, I have rescued you from now, but now I'm setting you on this path to what? To do. See, the Christian life, listen, listen, some of you guys have been lied to, you've been misled. It's not just about stop doing stuff. Or when you become a Christian, you stop doing that. When you become an Adventist, you stop doing this. You stop doing that. No, the Christian life is about, that was who you were. You were dead. The Christian life is about being resurrected to start doing stuff. I'm spitting all over, but I don't care. Start doing stuff. The Christian life is to follow Jesus to start doing new things which God planned in advance for us to do. You see that? 
So we have been made alive in Christ. We have been made alive. That's what the Bible says. We have been made alive in Christ. You were dead. And if you were caught in the circle of temptation and gratifying the temptations and just trying to get yourself out of it, that's, you're going to get nowhere. But by the grace of Jesus, he redeems that past. And instead, he says, let's, let, let's try something different. And you know what that different thing is? I'm going to tell it to you right now. God wants you to be a gift giver, a gift giver. You see, he's got so much mercy. He needs people to give it out. He's got so much mercy. He is rich in it and he's trying to give it away. But he needs people who delivers gifts. Have you ever done that? Delivered a gift for somebody else. It's the coolest job ever. It's the coolest job because you didn't have to buy the gift. You just had to hand the gift. But when you hand the gift, even if it isn't the gift that you bought, the person is so grateful to you. And you have just brought sunshine and laughter and love into their life. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be gift givers, not of our gifts, because we ain't got any, but of his, the gift of mercy. So I'm going to invite you to come alive this week because he is alive. He's not dead. Because he is alive that we must come alive. And here's how you do it. When you leave this place, you will meet somebody who needs your mercy. It will be somebody who needs your mercy. They deserve otherwise. But God's going to give you. He's going to nudge you from behind. He's like, here, here, give them this. And you're going to be like, what? And it'll be a gift of mercy. And it'll be like this. It'll be you saying, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. God is rich in mercy. He starts with us, paying our past. But now, he wants a new future. And in this new future, we do stuff we didn't do before. Because he is alive, we have to come alive. Let's be givers of mercy this week. I challenge you. I challenge you. And ask God right now before you leave this place, when we pray, God, where do you want me to do this? And he will tell you. And he will tell you. You don't have to travel across the world. He's going to tell you what you're going to do today. I guarantee you that. This is the moment. It's going to happen. You're going to feel this. You're like, what? Some, he's, going to th he's going to be like, here's the gift. Here's the gift of mercy. Mercy. Don't treat somebody the way they deserve. Treat them the way God would treat them. Because he is alive. Let us come alive. Come on, stand up. Let's sing to Jesus. Let's give him glory.